This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One on, nobody out. The two pitch. Here you swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, man. Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right back into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. And I say back because we're back this week in Claves. This is uh, the second to last countdown, man. It is getting here and it's getting here quick. Even though we're only a week into spring training, uh, that 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 opening night is three weeks away, so we're we're getting to this where it's going to all start to matter here real soon. Oh, I I agree. I, I think when you start to look at what's going on, and you know, as I told you, with twenty four games, you have I think you have eight game segments that you can evaluate people, and that first uh, element that we went through was basically just getting a feel. The second one, I think, is going to be adjustment. And the third one is bearing down. And obviously, in some situations, you have competition at positions. So you're looking at consistency for guys like Lane Thomas or Tyler O'Neill, and, and certainly Justin Williams has got to be in that mix. And also, from a pitching standpoint, Carlos had a good outing his last time out. That was something everybody was looking at. Yeah. And then you have KK, who you think is going to get better. Wainwright's been solid. And so, you know, you, you're looking to make that next adjustment and stretch out, certainly when it comes to pitching. And speaking of which, Kevin, it looks like our pitching situation is going to have an <laughs> interesting look, uh, at the, certainly at the start of the season, because we're not going to yeah. have certain people. Yeah, we learned yesterday that Miles Michaelis is not going to be ready for the start of the regular season. Uh, and, you know, again, probably not shocking because we hadn't really been able to string anything together here early on. We don't know yet you know, how, how big of a problem it will be. But for now, we know it's not going to be the beginning of the year. So that's a major question mark because now instead of one rotation spot up for competition, now it's two with Carlos Martinez, Daniel Ponce de Leon, who, by the way, we'll be talking to a little bit later on in the show. Ponce will join us in the 7 o'clock hour here on the Cardinals Radio Network tonight. Uh, but you have those two plus Gant. Um, and, of course, you know, we'll throw in Jake Woodford into that conversation, Johan Oviedo. I mean, these are the guys that are – I think at least, you know, to some degree in that mix, but the first three guys definitely in that mix. And then we also found out yesterday, Claves, one guy that is not a rotation option, and it and it's kind of been going this way for a couple of weeks, but Mike Schilt made it pretty clear yesterday that uh, Alex Reyes is going to be a reliever, and I know Mo talked about it, saying that they're just trying to make sure that they're not going to overload him. You know, I think he's thrown something like 72 innings in the last three years combined. So throwing him into a rotation spot and, th- and thinking it's going to last very long is probably not realistic. They're going to try to build him up. Yeah, no, you're right. And and I think it's the right move. Now, the thing that I, I want to be clear on, and, and I've had a chance to visit with some people, he's not going to be – they don't want him to be a one-inning guy. Right. And I think if you talk about how a guy they want to get him to at least 100 innings, 
So he's going to probably have the opportunity to go two, three innings per outing. And and that should get him in a pretty good position, certainly. And then maybe they wean him back as the season progresses, or maybe they turn it up a notch where there may not be that many opportunities early. But I think that's the best way to get him ready, certainly for this year and, and also next year, um, just being in a position where he'll be more of a fireman to come in maybe and put out a fire in the sixth inning compared to waiting around to the eighth or ninth. You know, it's interesting, Klaibs, and that's a good point, and, and I think that's how uh, both Mo and Schilty have described it and certainly how you and I talked about it last week. And I did some math. Now, I'm, I'm not allowed to do math live on the radio, so I did this before. But 100 <laughs> innings isn't as much as you'd think it is. 100 innings is basically four innings a week during the regular season. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not that much if you think about it. If he were to come in on a Tuesday and throw two innings and then do that again on Friday or Saturday – you do that every week, all season long. You're going to be at 100 innings, so it's not it's not as big of a task as it seems. Even though teams have gone away from that, I think more and more claves they're they're starting to do a bunch of that. I wonder if the way Milwaukee used Josh Hader a couple of years ago, while Corey Knebel was still the closer, where they didn't need to save Hader for the ninth, is kind of how it goes with Reyes, where you got a lead. You got two innings to get going. Well, let's put our best guy out there for two innings and see and see if we can't set ourselves up for an easy ninth inning. Yeah, I, I like that concept. Um, I was a little concerned in how they were using Hader because it seemed like I don't know, maybe he was just against the Cardinals, but he was throwing two innings virtually every night. It seems <laughs> so. Uh, it, it's one of those deals that I, I think maybe they can take a lesson from that and kind of stretch it out. And, and I think it's also a feel thing too, Kevin, where, absolutely, you know, how does he feel the next day? You know, was it a, were, were they stressful innings? You know, is he able to use other pitches other than his heater? So I, I, I look at this thing as probably a season long project and maybe by July they monitor things and say, well, you know what? We feel pretty good. I don't think they're locked into the number 100. I think it's a place they want to get to and then evaluate from there. No, that's a great point. And, and by the way, Hader in that year didn't get to 100, so it would have to be even a little bit more than that. But as you, you know, as you pointed, he also had a few save opportunities. But he, I think he got to 81 innings uh, in his second year and then 75 in his third year, speaking of Hader. I, I think, you know, again, that's just another – what, that's another two innings a month, <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. at 100. Another three innings a month, and you're at 100. And, by, you know, I think Mo even touched on this, Claves. Like, the 100 isn't a hard and fast number. It's just kind of the guidepost. We're going to yeah, get into that exactly. general vicinity, right? You get a little under, a little over, whatever, but that's just kind of the guidepost. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about all of this stuff as we go along. In fact, we're going to hear some more of the current events from Cardinals camp coming up in the next segment. Larry Walker is going to join us, the soon-to-be Hall of Famer. Uh, he's already a Hall of Famer, but he hasn't been, indu- he hasn't been inducted yet. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't given the speech yet, but we'll talk to Larry Walker later this hour. Uh, we'll check in with Daniel Ponce de Leon next hour, Tyler Heineman, Matt Caesar, a couple other Cardinals from spring training, give you a different viewpoint. Uh, guys that are somewhat veterans that are working their way toward trying to make a roster or even make – uh, the Memphis roster as well going into the regular season. So we got a lot to do. And I want to remind you that 2021 season ticket plans are now on sale. So you can choose from full season, half season, or 27 game options. For details, visit cardinals.com slash season today. And I would say today's a good time because with limited capacity early, 
uh, you definitely want to move sooner on that rather than later. You got Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. Stick around. We got a busy, busy hot stove show. It's the Cardinals countdown to opening day, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals countdown to opening day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. We're going to talk with Hall of Famer Larry Walker coming up in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, I want you to get a little bit on the latest news, today's news, I guess you could say, from uh, down in Jupiter. Now, some of it came from West Palm Beach because the Cardinals uh, were in West Palm to take on the Nationals. And that's where Mike Schilt was when he talked about a number of topics today. But most specifically here at the beginning, what's happening with Jordan Hicks? That was pretty darn good. Three first pitch strikes and control what he was doing. Clearly life to his ball. Um, you know, super encouraging first outing in over a year against another club. So, um, you know, very positive day for Jordan. Took advantage. I've said this, proud of him. Um, can't be said enough. He really handled, handled it well. That's the, he had he had assistance on the road. But that can be a lonely road. And um, he traveled it as well as anybody. And um, hats off to him. But he also took advantage, which... I always say this to uh, guys, especially when I was on the modeling side, overseeing some of the rehab program, you know, the guys we had in Florida for the big league guys, including the modeling guys. But, and, you know, so the big, big league guys just as much. But the point I'm getting at is you have a wonderful opportunity to rehab what you're dealing with specifically to your injury, but you also have, depending on the injury, a wonderful opportunity to just get yourself in really good shape. And Jordan clearly has done that. He looks phenomenal. You know, you talk about a big piece that um, – you can count on, has experience in higher labor situation, clearly has the stuff. So it just allows, you know, more depth to what we're doing. It, it creates, you know, more roles for different people. And it it, um, it just allows us to be, you know, that depth is huge. And, and uh, it puts guys in different different spots that can handle things earlier in the game. It just says a lot. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a big, big piece of what we're doing, getting Jordan back. I know it's not, you know, strictly a velocity question, but some guys come back from Tommy John and throw harder. Is it possible that he could throw harder than he did before he got hurt? I mean, I, w- I wouldn't rule it out, you know, Rob. I, I really hesitate to throw a lot of velocity regardless, but especially on, especially on Jordan, you know, to think he's got to do even more. But, you know, like I said, I could not rule it out. It'd be pretty amazing if he were. Um, right now, I really don't want him thinking about velocity. I want him thinking like he did today, and that's execution of pitches and, Kind of like the guy with power, he's another offense analogy. You don't try to generate it. You just have it already. I talked to McGuire. Gosh, it's been 10, 11 years ago. I think it was 2010 or 11. And I said, you know, you're, you're, you're a you know, power hitter talking to me about what that looks like. He goes, no, I was a contact hitter. just hadn't that power. Um, and I think the same thing. You know, Jordan has the velocity. It was just he a strike thrower and, and let the velocity play. Mike, what did you see from John Gant today? Uh, very favorable outing guy, you know. Or put a good swing on him for the double to start the game. Um, but I thought he was made pitches when he had to. A little bit of traffic early, got better as he went, really clean. Third and fourth, efficient with his pitch count. Um, like the use of the changeup, cutter was there. Changeup was good. Also took something off the changeup. So very encouraging outing for Johnny Gant to show multiple pitches, which, you know, he's in the mix as a starter. So having those multiple pitches against righties and lefties and using them and being effective with them is critical. And he was able to do all of that today. Mike, is, uh, is it possible that Jordan's next step is in a great pre-league game if he recovers well tomorrow? 
I, I think that's an expectation. Yes, but you know, I won't say absolute, but I do think that's we're we're definitely trending in the right direction. And again, that is the Cardinals skipper, Mike Schilt. Hey, I want to remind you guys that Cardinals magazine is the way to go to make sure that you're keeping up with the team. You can gear up for this upcoming season with a subscription, and of course, it's your premier source for Cardinals coverage, both in season and out. You can sign up for Cardinals magazine at cardinals.com slash magazine or by calling 314-345-9000. All right, stick around. Coming up next, the Hall of Famer. He hadn't been inducted yet, but he's been selected, so he's a Hall of Famer. Larry Walker will join us next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. Welcome back into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And very happy to be joined by Larry Walker, who we can finally and justifiably and rightly say Hall of Famer, Larry Walker. First of all, Larry, congratulations. I know it's been a little bit of a wait, but thanks for doing this, man. I hope you're doing well. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, all's good with me. Well, Larry, you had to wait a while to get in the Hall of Fame. Looks like you have to wait just a little bit longer what what was this last year like for you? Because everything was going really nice, and we were going to look forward to Cooperstown, and then all of a sudden this thing called COVID hits, and it changes all of our lives. So how much did it change yours? Well, I think like everybody else, you you had to you know make some changes in in things you were doing, or I guess things you're not doing, because that's yeah. kind of what I, I did. I, you know, I went to, I went to my place down in Cabo San Lucas, and and really didn't leave. I got just decided to stay down there being that everything was shut down and, and nothing happening. So I uh, got a lot of golf in and, and uh, I just tried to stay healthy, even though I, I got the dang COVID uh, in December, but uh, um, very mild. I'm actually zero. I didn't even know I had it. Uh, no hmm. symptoms at all and, and got through it fine. Did it give you more time, Larry, to rewrite the induction speech? Have you gone back over that? Or are you just going to stick with the original ideas that you had? Well, gosh, that's uh, – those are the sleepless nights on that on that dumb thing. I can't wait till it's over. I tell you what, man, oh man, it's wearing me out. But uh, uh, I, I actually started it the other day, and for the first time, I didn't either erase everything or crumple up the paper and fire it in the garbage. So, so I got I got somewhere with it. I printed it out and I tested did a test run on my daughter a few nights ago. So uh, it's not quite finished, but uh, I'm just trying to keep it as short and as sweet as I can. I'm not uh, very good at this, so. We'll see how it goes come July. Well, wait a minute. If you were testing it out on your daughter, you didn't use it as a bedtime story, and you looked up and she was sound asleep or anything along that line, were you? Yeah, yeah. She was laughing, crying, and just uh, every emotion. You know, That's that she good. Do, you know, <laughs> All right. You know, I think uh, if you guys know me, you know, I could be a, a jokester and everything, but I'm having trouble making jokes about this situation because it's, you know, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege, so it's tough to joke about that. So I – Trying to keep it as serious with a couple jabs here and there. There probably aren't many things that are a bigger challenge, right? I mean, guys that end up in this position like you, Larry, you spent your entire life grinding away, working at the craft, getting better at all of these things, not writing speeches. But I guess the one leads to the other. Well, you know, I think I might have it a little easier if I actually sat back and thought about it because a lot of guys go in there and they thank all the all the Little League coaches and, and, and people along the way when they were – 
you know, very young and, and teenagers and stuff. And well, I didn't really play baseball until I was 16 <laughs> years old. So I don't, I don't have all those people to thank because they weren't really there. So it's basically, Hey dad, I appreciate it. You know, thanks for, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for driving me to hockey practice. That's about as far as I go. <laughs> yeah, I can see why this is going to be a short speech. Then if that's the case, I, I think you're on to something there. Hey, Larry, I don't know how much you watch the game now. Um, <laughs> But I, I'm anxious to hear how you, if you do watch it, hear his approaches today compared to when you played. Uh, you were a guy to use a whole field. Uh, we see a lot of guys who look to jerk the ball out of the park. Everybody wants to pull. Uh, do you watch it a lot? And, and give me your thoughts on the offensive approaches that you see. Well, as far as watching it, I, I, I do here and there. Uh, I used to watch it more because I used to know more players, and I enjoyed watching guys I knew. Uh, a lot of those guys have retired now, but so – uh, when I do watch games, it's uh, it's usually the Rockies or the Cardinals uh, in their games. But uh, uh, you know what? Today's hitters, um, I guess they all are facing something that we didn't face as much, at least when I was playing, and especially at the beginning of my career. And that's the the shifts that teams are putting on. Mm-hmm. And I, and I haven't figured out yet how uh, you know the the defense adapted and adjusted and made changes to 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 learn how to defend certain hitters, but the hitters just don't seem to want to change their ways to adapt to the defense, you know, and the, the, the game is constantly a game of changes and adapting to, uh, you know, certain situations, certain pitchers, and, and, and you make those changes. It's, uh, it happens all the time, uh, but you still see guys trying to hit that pitch outside, rolling it over and hitting a ground ball to the second base for the left-handers at least. So, um, you know, I think some hitters need to take a different approach uh, at certain times and, uh, and and put the ball in play the other way and, and you know, take a base hit or a, a double. You know, in some cases, you don't even have to hit the ball hard. There's nobody on one side of the infield. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You make a great point because over the course of baseball history, if you go, I mean, go back as far as you want, I mean, you can go back to the Babe Ruth days, but – there are always ebbs and flows, right? Hitters' eras and pitchers' eras, and people, as you point out, making these adjustments. And I am, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a little surprised that more guys haven't taken that approach. Although I think it stands to to note that the very best guys clearly do that because they don't get shifted. Yeah, correct. You know, and like I say, it's there. There are. I, I've just heard the the talk about it on on how some people don't like the shift. <laughs> well, what's what's? I mean, I don't know. What do you? You put all nine guys in the outfield, and and then maybe you'll stop hitting fly balls. You'll start hitting the ball on the ground. You know, it's just you you, you make adjustments as as the other team uh, you know presents them. And this is just an adjustment that I don't think enough guys are making. Hey, you mentioned when you were watching baseball, you watch guys that you played with and maybe played against. As you look back, who are some of the guys you think? Uh, that really caught your eye as players that you think maybe there should be more discussion about perhaps being in the Hall of Fame someday? Well, as far as, uh, you know, retired players, and, and that's a, just me off the top of my head, uh, you know, Fred McGriff and, and Dale Murphy seemed to jump out at me. You know, those two guys that mm-hmm. uh, were, were just great ball players uh, for their whole careers and great numbers. But uh, unfortunately, like I say, this is that's why I shake my head sometimes and oh, a lot of time. Who am I kidding? That I actually made it. So, <laughs> Uh, I, I, and I've said it before, I've never considered myself a Hall of Famer at anything in life. So it's to, to make it in a sport that I didn't grow up playing, uh, you know, it just I guess it's all that more reason why kids shouldn't grow, give up at a young age. And, and even at a, a middle age, uh, you, there's still that opportunity, and I'm living proof of it. Uh, it's interesting. And it, what, what was interesting to, to me too, Larry, is that 
the more people paid attention to more modern analytics, the more they liked you, which I think is fascinating. I mean, you're, you're, your all-around game should have spoken for itself well before we got into analytics. But it was interesting, I think, that some of the newer school voters were the ones that probably ended up putting you over the top. Yeah, and, and you know what? And I'm fine with that. You all know my favorite number is three, and then I waited 10 years to be the 333rd person inducted into the hall. Ooh. So that, it, it fit wow. me like a glove. <laughs> that is wow, perfect. that is that, that is perfect. <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better situation. You, you know, when you, when you look look back at that situation and, and, and think about the analytics, something that wasn't discussed a great deal when you were playing, and now it seems like uh, it, it's the only way they really value a player uh, have you paid attention to it at all since you've been out of the game, or is it just something where you just worried about certain things that you knew you could control? Well, all those numbers that are out there now, uh, like I don't, they're, I'm clueless on them. I don't even know what some of them stand for. And then when they tell me what they stand for, I don't know what it means. So, <laughs> you know, it, I, I, I never got caught up into a lot of stuff when I played. I, I tried to really simplify the game as much as I could and, and, and literally see the ball, hit the ball, like my hitting coach at the beginning of my career, Ralph Rowe, used to say, just see the ball, kid, and hit it. And, and I just tried to keep the whole game that simple. Uh, you know, I don't uh, get involved in all these angles and wars and all this other stuff, so it, it's meaningless to me. Interesting. I know Claves uh, asked you a minute ago, Larry, about some of the guys you played against and, and names that haven't gotten in. But you're going in with a pretty influential group yourself here, the class of 2020, of course, waiting for this coming summer. Uh, with Derek Jeter going in, you two both being voted in, Ted Simmons getting in on the Veterans Committee, and then Marvin Miller, too, which, of course, had a pretty big impact on all you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's neat to be in with Marvin, and, and like you say, the impact that he had for us players is phenomenal. Uh, you know, I kept it going with the St. Louis Cardinal player, which is, you know, only fitting that uh, <laughs> I finished my career there. And, uh, of course, uh, with, with uh, Derek is – that's why everybody's probably going to watch. You know, he's the he's the big pull in all of this, and and right, rightfully so. He had an amazing career. You mentioned finishing your career in St. Louis. Uh, that that was an ideal situation for you, wasn't it? Where you were going to a, an organization that had a chance to win, that had a chance to compete. They had the history that went with it. Uh, what was that experience like for you down the stretch in that year and a half? Well, I wish it, we could have been saying it was the final stretch of my last 10 years of my career because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to put that uniform on. And, you know, it's one thing to just maybe put one on that someone signed for you at your house. But when you put one on in the clubhouse, along with the pants and the red shoes, and, and you walk out of that, uh, that locker room and, you know, the steps up to the dugout, I tell you, it's one of those feelings that is indescribable because you, you really got to be there to feel it. It's almost like the phone call from the hall. You can't can't describe it. You have to feel it and and to see and feel those emotions and excitement that all that all go into it. But Cardinal Cardinal Nation was a complete joy to finish things up with. Um, obviously, you know, not winning the World Series in '04 uh, kind of sucked, and in '05 getting beat in the NLCS. So. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided to retire, and then I let the team win in 06. So I thought I did a great uh, <laughs> great gesture there by me. Uh, well, we last appreciate thing, that. Yeah, no doubt. Last thing as a follow-up <laughs> to that, Larry, and, you know, again, 2020 was a rough year for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. It was a rough year for Cardinal Nation, uh, losing both Lou Brock and Bob Gibson. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the, you know, the aura, the atmosphere of being around the Cardinals. I had to believe that having guys like that around in spring training and you know, once in a while at the ballpark had to make that a big part of it. Absolutely amazing. You know, it's, uh, it was amazing to, 
to come to camp for my first time and, and like you said, see these guys with their lockers there. And they rub elbows with you and, and they'll shoot the breeze with you just uh, as if you've known them your whole life, you know. And I, I didn't get the experience out, obviously, in, in Colorado because, uh, you know, it's a new franchise, so they don't have the history as the Cardinals do. So, But, yeah, really, really a big thrill. And, and to get be able to talk to those guys and, and get to know them at least a little bit was awesome. And, you know, of course, on the flip side with uh, with their passing, along with incredible amount of, of Hall of Famers here in the, in the last year and a half, has been so sad. And um, but uh, you know what? A lot of a lot of great memories from from all the players that uh, I got to meet, and and just players of the game. Always great to catch up with Larry Walker. Some fantastic stuff there. We'll look forward to talking to Larry again somewhere down the road. All right, we want to remind you that if you're getting married in 2021. Bush Stadium is the perfect venue for baseball-loving couples, and they have dates still available for the summer. From receptions to ceremonies to portrait sessions, Cardinals special events can help you bring a little baseball into your big day. You can find out more at cardinals.com. All right, stick around. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little catching with Cardinals catcher Tyler Heineman here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Welcome back to the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And had a chance uh, just yesterday to catch up with Cardinals catcher Tyler Heineman. Obviously, he's new to the organization. Don't know for sure whether he's going to be with the big league team or Memphis, but obviously a guy that's made an impression with his defense in camp so far. Had a chance to catch up with him. Talk a bit about how things are going early on in camp and also talk a little catching stuff and what we saw from Yadier Molina a little bit earlier this week. How's everything going, man? I mean, I know uh, we, we heard from you in a little bit right when you signed with the team, and we heard a little bit from you in, in other places uh, when spring training was get, getting started. How's it been now after a couple of weeks of being in camp with the Cardinals? Uh, it's great, you know, just getting to know uh, a new organization, new staff, new everything. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a learning curve for sure, but, um, you know, Everything that I've seen so far is is top notch and first class, so uh, I'm enjoying myself for sure. All right, so I, I'm I'm going to get to a couple of things related to pitchers you've seen and things like that as we go. But I'm a catching nerd, all right, Tyler. I mean, I I played a little bit in college. I, I teach catchers now. There's nothing that I appreciate more than watching Yadi or Molina get to do his work on a day to day basis. And I'm sure uh, when you get to see it up close like you do, you have that same appreciation. What were you thinking about the other day when he was uh, having a little fun with Jose Siri and how that all played out? I thought that was pretty fantastic. Oh, it was awesome. Well, you know, first first of all, like, yeah, Yachty's the best, and, and I think he's probably arguably the best of all time. But, like, uh, being able to be with him for the first time, like, this year and, and watching him work on a daily basis, like, I understand why he's the best. He He, he doesn't take anything for granted, and he, like, you know, everything is so detail oriented in practice that when he gets into the game, he just, it, it's just ingrained in him. So, uh, it's incredible to watch firsthand. Um, that, that whole sequence of things I had to ask him, I said, Hey, just the way that he kind of acted, I said, Hey, did you, do you know Jose Siri? And he said, no, I don't know him. And I was like, really? And so just the, the way that Jose Siri and, and the interaction, it was great. And it's like, you know, the young pup, trying to make a name for himself he pinch runs and and then you got Yachty who makes an unbelievable uh throw to try and back pick him doesn't get him and you know 
it's just he's like, okay, go ahead, go run, and then he throws him out by thirty feet. It's like, it's just you know, it's it's just it's just it's 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 something awesome, but it just shows you like you know he's not slowing down a bit. No, no, not at all. I mean, and, and look, this is an, to me your perspective is interesting, Tyler, because. I mean, I don't know if you look at it this way or not, but I mean, you're you've been a major league catcher. This puts you in in a very small percentage of people on the planet that are capable of doing that job. So I know you appreciate the difficulty of all of that sequence, right? Not just making a couple of great throws, but continuing to to call pitches with the with the batter in mind, not just the runner in mind. I just thought all of that summed up what you're talking about with Molina there and that attention to detail and throwing him out by three feet on a changeup down was pretty impressive. I mean, he's been doing it his entire career, but like to see, you know, how quick he is and how accurate he is all the time with that being secondary to him, you know, wanting to make sure he calls a good pitch and, Mm -hmm. you know, it wouldn't happen like that. Most of, you know, a lot of people call fastball three, two to try and throw him out, you know, give himself a better chance to throw him out. But then the guy, usually can can foul off a fastball or maybe put a fastball in play. So the changeup was clearly the best pitch there, and he swung and missed. And just to have the confidence and poise to still be under control and, and fire a dart right on the bag. I mean, I don't, I don't even think he had to move his, his glove at all. It, it <laughs> just would have been placed right in front of the bag. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely special. But uh, something that you, you just say, you just chalk it up to Yachty being Yachty, I guess, yeah. is what kind of the word on the street is in, in camp, you know? I mean, it's crazy to watch. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of us have watched his entire career. I know I, I go back to watching it since uh, late 2006 when I got to town. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's one thing to, to watch a great player. And it's and you just then when you take into account, and again, you speak to this from personal experience, the difficulty of that job physically, right? I mean, you guys take a beating. It's every day. It's every pitch of every game. And, you know, as we move forward, there are a lot of conversations about Yachty in the Hall of Fame. And in my world, it's, it should be a no-brainer. It's automatic. Uh, but, but the job that you guys have uh, at the highest levels, you know, double-A, triple-A major leagues, is so much more detailed, I think, Tyler, than, than maybe even the average person really knows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just – it kind of seems like, you know, you're just, you're just following along with whatever the pitcher wants to call and – you just put a finger down so that you and him are on the same page, and you know. But there's <laughs> so much thought going on with what pitch was called. You know, you you go back to the previous pitch, how he took it, how he swung, uh, his previous at bats, uh, what we threw him in the previous at bats, what his result was, uh, what it looks like he's feeling that day. Because some days, some guys, you know, are quicker than others. They look. You know, some someday everyone knows you have good days and bad days. So some some hitters could be on a hot streak or he could right. be on a cold streak, and you got to take that into account. You got to take into account what the pitcher is throwing, kind of how his, you know, how his stuff's playing that day. What pitch is working? What pitch isn't? Uh, go off of that, the situation, the score. I mean, there's so many, and then not to mention the hours upon hours of scouting reports and. Uh, scouting data that we have that we have to kind of take into consideration and use uh, right. on a pitch-to-pitch basis. What this guy's good at uh, with runners on, what this guy, you know, how many times he chases a percentage of a pitch with uh, runners in scoring position and two strikes and, and just all these things that, you know, it, it gets easier and easier as you 
as you do it, and, and you know, it doesn't kind of the game doesn't really speed up on you. But um, with with how much information that we have and, and receive, um, you know, being able to process that at the rate that that Yachty processes it is is incredible. And um, you know, it kind of just looks like he's it's like he's got like ten eyeballs all over. You know, he's got one on their their coach on Shilty, on the runner, on the hit, you know, he's just, he's always surveying the field and the situation. And it's just, you know, he processes information so much quicker than, than what it seems like everyone else does. How about from your perspective, Tyler, you, you've been uh, in pro ball now since 2012. So it's been an interesting time in baseball. And I think an interesting time uh, for guys who play the position of catcher too. Now, you know, with, with the way people are trained to do certain things, how, how much has, all of this changed since your time at UCLA, right? I mean, you came up uh, as a pretty good catcher uh, at UCLA. You get into pro ball in 2012. How much have you changed during that time? And how many, you know, I mean, I, I know that things are, are new every year. You get, you know, if you go to a new inst- organization, sometimes a different instructor has a little bit of a different twist on things. Talk a bit about that, though, the progression of where catching was maybe when you were a younger guy in the minor leagues and w- what it's like for you now at the higher levels. Yeah, so um, I mean, I think a lot has changed. One, they they started doing uh, analytics on, on pitch framing and everything mm-hmm. like that. So uh, early on, there wasn't really any any of that. It was, hey, this guy doesn't drop any balls. Uh, nothing gets by him. He's kind of unknown. Uh, if you go and watch a full game, you don't really notice the catcher. He's probably doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, and so. It was, it was, hey, catch the ball, try and be as strong as, as you can in a position and don't mess up your thumb and try to present it as best <laughs> you can to an umpire. And, and now there's, you know, a huge emphasis on pitch framing and, and I guess, stealing strikes. And, and um, you see a, a – I mean, a lot of guys are, are going to one knee. It's just there's, there's, just a, there's a big progression and kind of – shift in mindset of yeah of it seems like like receiving is number one no matter what and we'll take we'll take a guy who can receive better than a guy who can is a catcher who can catch and throw and and block it's like if he receives incredibly and he's below average blocking and throwing that's okay um we'll, we'll take the we'll take the guy that likes to receive so uh it's definitely different um and i think you just, for me personally, I have to. I enjoy throwing. I I think I'm a good thrower uh, and a good blocker. So like, I don't want to give too much of that um, up in order to increase my receiving numbers. Like, you know, by going to a knee or or whatever. Right, Sometimes, right. you know, there's there's just there's things, in it, and especially me being this is my sixth organization, uh, bouncing through different like you said, just different teams and different coaches having different opinions on how the best way to skin the cat. It's like, you know, you take what what you think works um, based on your experience and based on kind of the data that – because everything is is analytic. Like, I mean, I can look online and and look at how I graded out an hour and a half ago in the game just by (laughs) looking on a a media website, you know what I mean? So um, everything – like how you feel and and how you thought you played can be backed up by data or it can be debunked by the data that that you're seeing. So uh, I think just having all of that information at your hands is 
it, it's scary at first for sure, but I think um, <laughs> you can utilize it very well and, and just pick and choose kind of what thoughts and cues you, you had going on and, okay, this worked, or, man, I didn't get this pitch and I thought I got this pitch last year a little bit, or just all these little things kind of you just you try and mold. It's like think about – Think about like molding molding a piece of clay. Like it's yeah. like oh this looks kind of good, and then oh maybe this can be a little bit better, and then you smooth something out, and it looks a little bit better, and then you you add something, and you take some stuff away. So um, I think the ultimate goal is to try to be the best player that you possibly can be, and you just try and pick and choose what information you want and and incorporate, and what information you try out, and then you're like yeah that's not for me. It's great stuff, man. That's a really great detailed answer. Uh, last thing I have for you, Tyler, is just a is a, totally your opinion. Whatever you whatever st- jumps to your mind ha- of all the guys you've you've seen so far, and I know whether it's bullpens, game action, stuff on the backfields, and live VPs, whatever. Uh, any of the guys on the mound uh, especially caught your attention for any particular reason so far this spring? We have unbelievable arms. So uh, I think I've, I've worked with Flaherty in the off season. Mm-hmm. He looks really good. I know his. I know his first couple of starts haven't been um, where he wants him to be, but you know he's 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 there mentally and his stuff is there. So I think it's all going to sync up in the next couple of starts and he'll be ready to go. But um, you know I've caught Helsley uh, last couple times on the bump and uh, he he's just he looks really good to me. And again, that's Cardinals catcher Tyler Heineman with us here on the Countdown Show. Hey, I want to remind you about the Cardinals Kids Club. Uh, It's the Cardinals Kids Club presented by Rawlings, and it is the exclusive fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes access to exclusive virtual events and items including a fleece blanket and a wall sign, all for just $33. You can join at cardinals.com slash kidsclub. All right, coming up next, we'll give away a 2021 calendar here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Back in on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Been a busy first hour. Uh, many thanks to Larry Walker for jumping in, Tyler Heineman as well. Both of those were great conversations, and we got a few more coming your way I'll tell you about in a second in the next hour. Right now, it's time to give away a calendar. Now, the 2021 Cardinals calendar celebrates 12 epic moments in Cardinals history, and it gets you ready for baseball with spring training, uh, obviously almost in the books and the regular season schedule in there. So you can pick up your calendar at your area grocery stores and retailers or by calling 314-345-9000. Now, if you're feeling really lucky and you can dial really quickly, first caller at 314-531-1120. 314-531-1120. First caller will get their 2021 Cardinals calendar for free right now here during the Countdown to Opening Day show. Stick around. We've got another hour to go. We'll hear from Daniel Ponce de Leon. We'll talk to Brewers broadcaster Jeff Levering and hear from outfielder Matt Caesar. So it's going to be a busy 7 o'clock hour coming up. And this is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, man. Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. 
Hour number two on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne is down in Jupiter. Kevin Wheeler up with up with the, the rest of us here in the great – it's not the great white north. I, I shouldn't joke about that, Claibs. It's been really nice <laughs> for the last week. It's, That's good It's been 70 here the last couple of days in St. Louis, so I, I really can't complain too much about it. But uh, the one thing I miss is where you are is being close to the action. And, you know, there's a lot going on now in camp. We're starting to get to Claibs. The point where it's going to be taking things a little more seriously, right? I mean, I know the beginning of the show, you talked about the, the eight-game segments, and the first one is now past us. And we kind of just we, – we watch that. You don't make any judgments. You just kind of say, all right, here's what we learned. Here's a concern for now. Here's a good thing for now. And now what's next? I think this middle section here is going to be obviously even more important. And then that third section is going to be the one that's going to tell us a lot of the story, especially when it comes to the hitters and guys that are scuffling a little bit right now. No, I, I agree with you, and I think when we look at this, the, the scuffle thing is really the one you want to pay attention to because you're going to have some guys that are going to find their groove. Other guys are going to maybe press a little bit, and, and there's still some open competition. We talked about the outfield. I, I, I feel like Edmundo Sosa has the inside track on that utility infielder, although Max Maroff brings a switch hitting uh, element to it. But, you know, if you can't hit from either side of the plate, I'm not sure that makes a difference. <laughs> well, so Sosa's out of options, how... too. So Yeah, you know. and, and he, yeah, that makes him almost a lock. Uh, other than that, you know, the outfield issue is up for grabs. Uh, we still don't know what the pitching is going to look like, especially with the Michaelis situation. And we have to keep our fingers crossed nobody else goes down between right. now and uh, the end of the spring. But, you know, overall, uh, I'll tell you this, Memphis should have a pretty good ball club. Yeah, whenever they I, I get, agree. Whenever they get started. I, I think this is, you know, and, and uh, we'll talk about this concept with Jeff Levering a little bit later on this hour, the Milwaukee Brewers broadcast. We'll get a little sneak preview on the Brewers. Uh, but I, I think depth, Claves, is going to end up being the big thing. We talk a lot about pitching depth and all that, but I, I think more than just the pitching depth, I think the positional depth is going to come into play too over the course of six months. And, you know, I, I think the Cardinals are set up with, as you put it, a number of guys that are going to be at Memphis or at the alternate site here in the first month in April, which is going to be, right by the way, right across the river at GCS Ballpark in Sajay, so a little bit more convenient than heading down to Springfield like they had to do last year. But I, I agree that, that they have good depth. They've got a combination of things, Clay. Wouldn't you say that a couple of guys that are kind of, quote-unquote, prospects that will be at Memphis, but really a lot of guys that are kind of borderline major leaguers, and those are the guys you want when you're looking for in-season fill-ins. Yeah, I think if there's one need that this ball club is going to have to find, they've got to find a left-handed bat somewhere. Uh, I don't think you have enough proven left-handed bats in the organization that are ready to contribute. Uh, Matt Carpenter is is fighting it right now, so I don't know what his role – well, we know his role will be coming off the bench for the most part. And, and yeah, I, I talked to Mike Schilt about that uh, earlier, and he made a good point. He said, you know, he kind of did that the year when he brought Tommy Edmond into the picture, and Tommy Edmond was the everyday third baseman, and he said he had some pretty key at-bats late in the year. Um, I didn't take the time to try and remember which ones they were, but I think that that's the kind of role he's going to have to assume this year. Uh, so he's got experience with that. But other than that, Kevin, they don't have anyone with any proven experience that uh, can swing the bat left-handed, and Nolan Gorman is not the guy yet. Let's give him some time to develop. I think he starts in double-A, to be honest with you. I I think he needs some real seasoning uh, before we can talk about him. So I think, you know, if anyone thinks that he's ready this year or, you know, maybe next year, maybe September next year, but I don't see him being the impact guy that we're looking for. 
Yeah, if, if if it were this year, I mean, if we're just playing the the, the what if game, it would have to be second half of the year. I mean, you yeah. know, he he didn't play at all last season. I know he was at the alternate site. It wouldn't shock me, Claves, if he's at the alternate site in the beginning of the year. I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying he will be, but it wouldn't shock me if they brought him up uh, to GCS Ballpark during that time and then assigned him to Double A when the yeah. when the when the minor league season starts. You know, coming up in May. Uh, but even then, that's not a lock. I mean, he may just end up staying down in Jupiter with the minor league camp uh, and getting work there. I mean, he, he's, I think you're right. He, he's definitely got some things to work on, but no big surprise since they didn't have games last year. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, I know it was just one game yesterday, but I think over the last couple of times I've seen Justin Williams, he's kind of looking the part, Claves. He had the opposite field home run yesterday. Um, so he hit a, hit a home run to left center field, and yes, the wind was blowing out, but the fact that he drove the ball the opposite way is a good sign. And in his earlier at bat, hit a ball 110 miles an hour for a single into right field. He just turned on a fastball and destroyed it. I, I think that the more he goes, the more that could be an element too, because they're going to need somebody else that you know I guess technically would be the fifth guy on the bench, but may may end up being more significant than that. Yeah, and and that's something that over the course of 162 games, you're going to need that. Uh, I think the question here is they haven't determined whether he is is or out, is or not out of options. Right, right. So that that's something that's going to weigh heavily in this decision as well on whether he is part of this. So uh, a few things to decide. Um, that's why spring training can be really fun just watching the competition. And, and we have just enough to make this interesting. Yeah, and, and I think that, that decision, I'm surprised it – is taking this long for MLB to make a decision on that. I mean, it's got to be frustrating for the Cardinals. I mean, here we are, you know, you're two weeks away from having to, to decide your opening day roster. I know that's still two weeks, but what have you? what is Major League Baseball going to learn in the next two weeks that they didn't learn already <laughs> in the entire offseason yeah. figuring this thing out? Uh, but the thing is that that might be your lefty bat, right? If he's out of options, I can't imagine he would clear. I got to imagine somebody – A lesser team that might have a little thinner roster might be looking at that guy as an everyday player, you know, a team that's at the bottom of the standings. Um, So maybe that's your lefty bat, like those two two guys, Carpenter and Williams, with one catcher being in the mix and then probably Sosa and whoever the fourth outfielder is. I guess we could call it Lane Thomas for now, but uh, really just whichever one of them is not starting on a given day. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, And you know what it also does? If you have Williams, maybe he platoons with whoever the other right field, I mean, the left field is going to be, uh, whether it's Thomas or O'Neill, because of the fact that, you know, both Thomas and O'Neill hit lefties fairly well. And maybe if you just have uh, Williams hitting the righties, you know, maybe you platoon that for a bit until somebody breaks through. A lot of interesting options to follow through here in the next couple of weeks. And obviously, a lot of this will be determined on the field. So if the guys are hitting, we have a bigger conversation. And if they're not, the, the conversation gets a little bit easier. we got a lot to do here in this hour. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear from Daniel Ponce de Leon. Uh, Jeff Levering, Brewers broadcaster, is going to join us. We'll hear from Tyler Heineman, too, get a catcher's perspective on what it's like to work with Yadi or Molina in the spring. And, of course, we'll get his thoughts on what Yadi did to poor Jose Siri earlier in the week. We'll get to that all coming up. But before we do any of that, though, I want to remind you that if you're getting married in 2021 – Bush Stadium is the perfect venue for baseball-loving couples. They have dates still available, by the way, so you can talk about receptions, uh, ceremonies, portrait sessions. All of these things are options. Cardinals special events can help bring a little baseball into your big day. You can find out more at cardinals.com. Stick around. Cardinals pitcher Daniel Ponce de Leon joins us next. It's the Cardinals countdown to opening day, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network.
This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, back into the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here. And really happy to be joined by Daniel Ponce de Leon today uh, to talk a little bit of everything. I think we're obviously going to talk about stuff that's happening on the field, Daniel. But first up, thank you for doing this. Secondly, we sh- I, should, I should say that it's more than Cardinals pitcher Daniel Ponce de Leon. We have author Daniel Ponce de Leon. Congratulations on getting the book done. It's called One Line Drive, A Life-Threatening Injury and a Faith-Fueled Comeback. It's a story that I think Cardinals fans are very familiar with. But, man, hearing it in your own words and reading uh, the process and the way that you went through all that was really, really it was really moving, man. i got to tell you, you did a really nice job on the book. I appreciate it, Kevin. appreciate you having me on here, too. Hey, Daniel, uh, it, it, it's really noted author, Daniel Ponce de Leon. That's how we have to address you from this point on. I, I guess for me, you know, when we, when we see people who decide to write books, how much of a challenge was it for you to write it? And also, how much were you convinced in writing it? Because I'm sure some people, in, in some cases, have to approach people and say, yeah, this would really be a good book. So for you, did you want to volunteer it? Or did somebody say, Daniel, this is a great opportunity for you to, to pass on a great message? Um, it, it was hard for me to, to, to agree to the idea of writing a book. Like, no, I don't want to talk about myself. And... Um, mm. You know, I, I, you know, everyone else goes through hard things in life. What's the difference of, of mine, you know? So after a while of convincing me and also a lot of fan reach out, uh, I've decided, you know what, if we could, if we could touch a life or two, you know, even more than, than I'm in. That's, that's the sole reason why I'm doing it. Well, it's fascinating. And, uh, you know, when you jump right in, Daniel, at the beginning, talking about May 9th, 2017, uh, today, you know, a lot of us that cover the Cardinals remember hearing about right away, and of course the videos uh, were out there, and things got really serious really fast. And I thought your description of kind of how it started off, uh, you, you know, you, you, everybody's instinct is what to keep going, right? To get up and keep on going, and over time realizing, okay, maybe this is a little bit more. How how well does all of that stand out to you now? And did you have to take time to kind of pull that out of your head as you were writing the book and trying to put it into words? Uh, yeah, it took took a little bit because right after, you know, I, I kind of uh, kicked it away, you know, uh, just I wanted to turn into a baseball player. I didn't want anyone to feel bad for me or anything. I wanted to be a baseball player. So then when we decided to write this book, you know, I had to dig back and really remember all the thoughts that went through my head. And, um, and uh, you know, it was hard at times to, like, recall once I got into the hospital. It was uh, the time timing for me was tough because I was in and out of it, really. Daniel, for you, uh, as you look back on it now, it it obviously was a game changer in your life. You've written the book and you've continued to maintain a professional career in writing the book. What did you learn about yourself? Uh, A lot of times writers will say that there are things that, you know, as they go back and think about it, you know, they put it into words and it it makes them think about something about themselves. So I'm wondering if you fit in that category. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a big reminiscer. I just kind of keep moving forwards. So writing this book causes you to go back and reminisce, I guess, and think about your thoughts you had back then and the way you were. And what I what I what really touched me was just being able to see all the emotion and the thoughts that my girlfriend who or my wife who was my girlfriend at the time, you know, my own dad, um, you know, my trainer Scott Einzel. 
all those people that were involved, I was able to finally like see their thoughts. I never really asked them because I just wanted to move on, you know. And so we finally went through back, and I was like, man, that's that's what really went on, uh, you know. I, I I didn't think people cared that much. Well, it's you know, it's a story that I think a lot of us are going to remember for the rest of our lives. And it's again Daniel Ponce de Leon with us. Uh, you know him well as the Cardinals pitcher. He's got a new book out called One Line Drive. Uh, a life-threatening injury and a faith-fueled comeback that is available this week, and you can check it out on Amazon.com, and, of course, it'll be at bookstores this week as well. Now, I'm sure the date that probably stands out better to you, Daniel, with that uh, that idea of moving forward and kind of wanting to keep your head down and keep on grinding was July 23rd, a year later in 2018. It was about 14 months uh, after the line drive. You get to make uh, your Major League debut in Cincinnati, and, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I think, and I think Claves will agree. We've both been covering the sport for a long time. To be able to go out and throw seven no-hit innings in that game in your first major league game had to be unbelievable for you. And for the rest of us watching, it was like it was almost again. It was almost too storybook to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That that night will always be with me the rest of my life, and I'm very grateful for it. And the biggest thing I can remember from that day is just how peaceful it was. Hmm. Like you know, graceful. That's grace. You know, that's a great point you make because that was as quiet of a no-no as I think I've ever seen pitched. And it was just one of those nights where you just were in that, uh, had a real flow about what was going on. And, and I guess the reaction you would see from hitters, because they hadn't seen your stuff before. Maybe there's some guys in the minors that have seen it. But the way they were trying to – it just seemed like you really threw them off, but it was a, a effortless outing as far as I was concerned, as far as – you didn't seem like you were grunting. You just seemed like you were in a real zone. And a lot of no-hitters don't work that way. Yeah, um, you're, you hit around the head. Uh, that's exactly how it felt, you know, just not too much effort and um, just was able to, you know, piece together good good at-bats each time. And I had a decent change of rolling at the time and uh, was coming off a hot streak in the minor league. So everything kind of lined up nicely there. It's really cool. Is there anything, you know, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, the hope here is that, um, telling your story is is going to give some other people some things to look to when when they're dealing with challenges. Is there any particular uh, like bigger picture message that that you came away from after writing the book? Right, I mean this is your story, you lived it, but after putting it all down, did you did you look back at any of it and think that this this particular thing or another was significant to you? Yeah, um, there was a lot of unintentional mini storylines in there. I guess um, you could see. The relationship between me and my wife at the time, it was real rocky up and down. And, um, you know, we finally grinded down and, you know, we got our emotions out. And now we're the best we've ever been. And so you have that. And you just you could see my growth there as a boy to a man and from a husband or from a boyfriend to a husband and a father. You know, I, there's a big growth there for me. And also there's a spiritual growth in there for anyone who's who believes that there's a God. Speaking of growth, let's talk about you as a baseball player and as a pitcher. Uh, you had a good outing on Monday, which uh, I was impressed with. And it seems like right now you're in a, in a pretty good groove. You had the four strikeouts. But you also, it seems like instead of trying to strike everybody out, you're letting them put it in play a little bit where you let the guys behind you get some work done as well. What's your confidence level like as far as everything coming together for you? Because in this situation – um, there's a starting spot in this rotation. Uh, there's certainly a yeah. spot on this roster for you. So how, where are you at now confidence-wise? Confidence-wise, um, I would say I'm 
uh, you know, pretty much 100% with my fastball. I'm very comfortable with it. I'm not trying to overthrow it too much. You know, sometimes I try to really let it go, but, um, you know, right now it's in my head. I'm like shooting darts. You know, I see a catcher throw it through. You know, it's pretty simple. I would say um, I, I do get some, like, uh, pre-thoughts that aren't good when I start going to off-speed a little bit. So there's a, I'm a little hesitant here and there on some off-speed pitches, but otherwise my fastball is coming out nicely, and I'm feeling good, and I know where the ball's going decently. And, um, you know, I, 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 I feel like I don't have to do too much right now, you know. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing to watch, uh, Daniel. From a distance, I'm sure it's it's probably more interesting up close. But watching someone like yourself, who has now been around the major leagues for a couple of years, you've had a good run. You know, you were with the team uh, last year for a good bit of that two month run, and had you know, have you had a lot of success here? What 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 is the next thing for you to kind of settle in and and feel more established? Because obviously, you've got a lot of good pitchers in camp. You guys are having a heck of a competition. What, what for you? What's kind of the next thing? It's putting those consistent outings together. You know, I did have a good run there, and um, if I could just keep up that pace, uh, that would be, you know, that would put me right where I need to be. And, um, you know, the arsenal-wise, the goal is to land a couple more off-speed pitches here and there just to get them off my fastball because if if you saw today, you know, I only walked one guy, but I still threw 30, 40 pitches in two innings because I got fell balled to death, so – if I could just get them guessing on something else and then go back or, you know, maybe I just throw all curveballs to one guy. You know, that that would be like the next step. You're having a little bit of fun with that. Now, the last thing I, I've got for you, and we appreciate you doing this, Daniel. It's, a, again, a great story, but obviously you're also a big part of the current story, and that current story that everybody's counting down to here is opening day. Um, I just wanted to have you talk for a couple of minutes about um, Yadier Molina. We we all were blown away by the fun that he had on Sunday uh, with the young base runner Jose Siri of the Astros, and of course you get to pitch to him a lot. Did not on Monday, but you did. You do get to pitch to him a lot in these scenarios. What's it like for you as a guy that's going through the ringer and you know figuring out wh- what your spot is ultimately going to be? What's it like having that guy the other side? Oh, it's great. It's you know like like my first outing. It's peaceful knowing you got a guy back there that knows what number to put down. So you're not really second guessing the call. Sometimes, you know, you see the number and you're like, you know, I was thinking something else. But with him back there, you see the number and you feel like I'm, I'm going to throw that pitch and it's, it's the right pitch. And you could see him just sitting back there thinking, looking at the hitter, looking at the runner, and then he finally puts down the number. And it's like, all right, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And um, that confidence feeds into the pitcher as well. That's uh, fantastic. We're looking forward to seeing how the spring plays out for you, the rest of spring, I should say. And, again, congratulations, man. The book is out. It's available this week. Again, people can find it at Amazon.com. They can check out bookstores in the area as well. It's called One Line Drive, A Life-Threatening Injury and a Faith-Fueled Comeback. Of course, Daniel Ponce de Leon, kind enough to join us here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, uh, I think there's a lot of things that we're going to have to get to. In fact, we're going to talk to Jeff Levering and get a little preview on the Milwaukee Brewers in a couple of minutes. But before I do that, just want to remind you that you can gear up for the season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine. It's your premier source for Cardinals coverage in season and out. You can sign up at cardinals.com slash magazine or call 314-345-9000. Coming up next, we'll take a sneak peek at the Milwaukee Brewers with broadcaster Jeff Levering here on the on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, back into the Cardinals countdown to opening day, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler 
here with you for a couple of hours talking ball. And one of the things we do every offseason as we build toward the regular season is check in on the other teams in the National League Central Division. So a little while back, we checked in on the Cubs. Next week, we're going to be checking in on the Reds. But today, we're going to be checking in on the Milwaukee Brewers with Jeff Levering. Of course, you can find Jeff on Twitter at jlevering 4 Brewers broadcaster and I appreciate you doing this Jeff you know it's interesting Jeff uh, the the Cardinals and Brewers had similar off seasons in the sense that a lot a lot of what got done got done really late uh, and I know that was true for a lot of teams but I think it was especially true for the Cardinals and Brewers the Cardinals trading for Nolan Arenado but then right around that same time Colton Wong signs with the Brewers and then just here in the last handful of days uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. joins the Brewers as well so a couple of nice adds to the roster here near the uh, – well, I shouldn't say near the, that near the season, but certainly the beginning of spring training. Yeah, there's still plenty of time to, to get a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. in there and get him the at-bats that he needs. Uh, Colton Wong's been in there basically since day number one for the Brewers, too. So uh, I, the signings, I really, I really like them. I, and they've added a little bit of pitching depth, too, with uh, Brett Anderson coming back into the rotation. And every team's going to need – as much depth as humanly possible here in 2021 because of the lack of innings. I'm sure you've talked about that with everybody. It'll be very consistent across the league about how many pitchers have to be used, whether they're starters or relievers. Um, so depth is going to be tested big time. But but the Brewers saw that that their run prevention group needed help. Their defense needed help from last year with no Lorenzo Cain, who opted out after six games last year. Keston Hira, just a subpar second baseman. They move him over to first, mm-hmm. bring in Colton Wong, bring in Jackie Bradley Jr. Now you've got gold gloves all over the place defensively. It was a very smart move. Um, the Brewers might win a bunch of 3-2, 4-3 games this year. Their offense can't be much worse than it was last year, so you expect a, a big turnaround there. But the, but the signings, I think it's industry-wide where – you know, February and March is now the December's of years past, right? Where, where yep. things are okay. You don't have to get deals done at the winter meetings in order to be successful. Um, these things just keep getting later and later. And, and you can always add. You can always add to your team. And I think everybody experienced that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting now from from the uh, the outside looking in. Boy, what, a, what an interesting combination that Craig Council gets to work with in the outfield. I, I think it's probably fair, Jeff. Would you agree that – uh, there's not going to be a mix involving Christian Yelich. <laughs> He's going to be out there every day, and then they figure out the other two because you've got three quality players there in in Jackie Bradley Jr. and Lorenzo Cain and Avisiel Garcia. Yeah, it, it is an interesting mix, and, and the Brewers ran into this problem in 2018 too. And, and I say problem kind of with air quotes, right? Because they had guys that were coming off a of 30 homer seasons that were playing in the outfield. They were trying to figure out how to get Yelich, Cain. Braun, Domingo Santana, mm-hmm. all this time in the outfield. And, and they were even trying to put Eric Thames out there at a time, too. And he was coming off of a 30-homer season in 2017. So they were they were trying to figure out all these different ways to get at-bats for these guys. And that's even when the DH wasn't even discussed in the National League. So now you've got four quality outfielders. Lorenzo Kane at the moment has not seen game action. He was out all of last week with a quad injury they're hoping to slowly ease him back into things this week and maybe get him into a game after st patrick's day but that's still kind of dicey right now for lorenzo so now you've got a little you've got a little bit of of coverage there with jackie bradley jr who's a gold glove center fielder garcia's had a great spring so far he's hitting 500 this spring and then yelich is hitting the cover off the ball again which everybody expected after what was such a crazy year last year for him offensively so there's plenty of that that's to go around 
Um, and it's, and especially because Lorenzo did miss all of last year to stay for six games early on in the season because he opted out, right. you can't expect him to play 150 games. Um, so, so you have coverage for that. There's, there's plenty of depth in the outfield that they've got, and, and they'll get plenty of at-bats. Jeff, let's take a look on the pitching side, and, and let's go. Well, so I guess we'll be we'll go chronologically and start with the starters, and then work our way to the back end of the pen. A uh, couple of guys, sure. obviously, Brandon Woodruff has emerged as the top guy there, and of course, Corbin Burns really looked like he could be that kind of guy last year. The only question is, you know, how does it translate over six months instead of two? But you've got two guys that are really gifted at the front. You mentioned Brett Anderson. How do you think the rest of it sorts out? And do you think they'll use? As we mentioned earlier, six, seven, eight guys in that rotation over the course of the season. I, th- I think that the, I think every team is going to use at least seven, eight, maybe even nine guys at some point to start games over the course of the year. Um, Woodruff and Burns are as good a one-two punch is, as there is, I feel, in the National League Central at least. Uh, in the National League, you got the Dodgers who have such a great rotation, and the <laughs> Nationals who are so good, and even the Mets. But Woodruff and Burns are, are two guys that that don't get talked about enough, in my opinion, and that's probably a good thing for them because they are unbelievably good, and they're both having really good springs. Um, so then from there, you kind of fill it back in. I think Adrian Hauser has a really good opportunity to have a good season. He's looked pretty good in the spring. He's got great velocity and great sync, and um, his, his other stuff, he learned a lot from a, a subpar year last year um, to take in a 2021 then you've got Brett Anderson, Josh Lindblom, who's going to eat up a lot of innings. They could stretch out Brent Suter out of the bullpen, and you know he could throw seven innings, and, and it would feel like one. He works so fast, so that's a really good thing for the Brewers to have. Um, and they're even stretching out Drew Rasmussen a little bit. So Drew, who pitched out of the bullpen last year, throwing 100 miles an hour, he's added some different stuff to his arsenal. Um, his slider's gotten better. He's now throwing a changeup at like 93 miles an hour, which is laughable. Um, <laughs> But, they, but they're stretching him out. So he might go two, three-inning stints at some points during the season. So they're just trying to get creative with, with what they can do with guys that open games or, or depth in the middle of games, too. Yeah, I was going to say that. You know, we, we know about the back end of that pen. I, I don't know that anybody in baseball, regardless of budget, uh, has a better combo at the back end than Josh Hader and Devin Williams. And you, you touched on, on Rasmussen there. How about the rest of that group that leads into them? Because I think – we, we all know what to expect, at least we think we do, with, with Williams and Hayter, and, and that is pain if you're an opposing hitter. Uh, does the rest of it set up with the kind of depth that, again, we're talking about, you know, this is what we're talking about with the Cardinals every day, Jeff, is, you know, where is, is there going to be enough to cover everything you need to cover yeah. over the course of time? And, and, of course, you know, that's, as you mentioned earlier, a universal question. Yeah, and, and if you get five innings out of a starter, you still have to get innings six, seven to get it to your eighth and ninth inning, guys, right? So. Right. I think the Brewers. I think the Brewers do have a, a pretty good complement of guys to get to Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Now Devin's a little bit slower getting into things this year. He has yet to make his debut, but he will, and he'll have plenty of opportunities after St. Patrick's Day, which is the last off day for the Brewers before the regular season starts. But a guy to, to keep your eye on for the Brewers is Justin Topa. I mean, he came out of nowhere, double Tommy John surgery guy. He comes back because of a pitching ninja thing that was on Twitter that our that the Brewers organization saw, and he's throwing 94, 95. They take a flyer on him, put him in the minor leagues. He's still throwing 94, 95. He shows up on camp, and just to, to get a couple of innings, they bring him over. And he wasn't on any of the preseason slides that was going through last year's spring training. Of you know, okay, this guy maybe has a chance. Maybe this is got this guy's some depth. 
They go through 100 pitchers, and Justin Topa's not even on any of them. He shows up to camp in 2020, and he's throwing 99, 100 miles an hour. Okay, that plays. He makes his major league debut last year, doesn't walk a guy over his seven or eight appearances in the big leagues. He's throwing cheese. His slider's unbelievable. He's breaking bats left and right. He even broke Jacob Nottingham's thumb as a catcher. So he's a guy that, that it feels like is, is poised to have a really good year, and he's going to play a really important role in that Brewers bullpen. Many thanks to Brewers broadcaster Jeff Levering for jumping in. Always a pleasure to talk a little baseball with Jeff. All right, you can download the MLB app to get in-game video highlights, live pitch-by-pitch, breaking news, and player updates, stat leaderboards, you name it, it's there. You can find out all of that and, of course, more on your St. Louis Cardinals and the rest of the league. It is the MLB app. All right, coming up next, we'll hear from Cardinals outfielder Matt Caesar here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. We continue with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you. And happy to have a chance earlier this week to catch up with outfielder Matt Caesar. Now, he's in camp on a minor league deal with a chance to make the team. May or may not do that. I mean, he's a guy that has plenty of big league time. You might remember him from the uh, four years that he spent with the Cubs. Uh, I want to say that was 2014 through 2017, 2018. Other, he's had a lot of big league experience, but he's also had a lot of injuries and had really a, a crazy year in his personal life last year as well. Uh, we'll hear him talk a bit about that, and obviously we'll talk a little baseball. This is Cardinals outfielder Matt Caesar from a little bit earlier this week. How about from your perspective, Matt? I know, uh, you know you spent a good long time uh, with the rivals to the north and the Cubs. Is it, is it at all odd being in the Cardinals uniform in spring training? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, no. Uh, always on the other side of the, the field, the fence, you know, whatever you want to call it, I always kind of um, admired the Cardinals because they were always – uh, you know, they always played very sound baseball, you know, and, and when I was with the Cubs, we, you know, we did also, and it was always a great matchup to see another another baseball team, you know, pretty much playing the same way we did. Um, you know, I told this story uh, to the skipper the other day. Um, in 2014, when I got called up, I I think we, we played the Cardinals in St. Louis, and I remember it was the first inning, and I don't know who was on – second base but uh carpenter was the number two hitter and there was no outs guy on second and he literally kind of rolled rolled the ball over to get the guy to third and i remember like thinking man that's that's like winning baseball right there (laughs) so i've always kind of had that respect for the cardinals and and knew that they always played the right way and and i was you know looking forward to being a part of that you've had your a couple of different experiences in the big leagues uh matt with different managers Obviously, personalities are different. Shilty is a lot of fun to cover. I mean, obviously, you know, those of us that do what we do, we don't play for the guy, but he seems like a hell of a lot of fun. How are the personalities compared to, say, like Joe Madden? I mean, I know Joe's different, maybe you know, a little bit more eccentric in some ways, but how are they similar and where are they a little bit different? They're very similar. I feel like Shilty does a really good job of letting the players play, and you know he's the leader. So it's and that's the same thing with Joe, you know, all both those guys really let the players play, but at the end of the day, you, you know that he's going to lead you and have your back. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to to get the opportunity to play for him. I, I think he's, you know, I played played against him when I was in uh, AAA, and I think 13 mm-hmm. or 14. And like I said, I've always 
always had great respect for the Cardinals organization because, you know, they played baseball hard. And, and I feel like that's, that's the kind of way that I was raised was always to kind of, you know, get out of the box, you know, respect 90 and, and pretty much, you know, go as hard as I can every play. And, and that's, that's what I always saw from the Cardinal side. How about from your own personal perspective, how, how are things coming along for you baseball wise this year? I know, um, last year was a, a no-go for you and it was for a lot of guys, to be honest. The way the, the way things played out really hurt a lot of guys when it came to you know the position that you were in in particular. Uh, what's it like kind of being back on the horse? Yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, honestly, you know, I had, a, uh, I had a couple injuries last year. I had surgery. Uh, both my parents had cancer. Mm. Um, so, so everything was – the stars, we just had a baby. I feel like the stars lined, and, and it was meant for me to be home with my family. Uh, I was able to help my mom and dad with whatever they needed, and I, and I was so close to them. And you know, I was able to to help raise my son and, and be around and you know love him up as much as possible. Um, so it's it's good to be to be back playing. Um, like I said, you know, everything is is pretty much taken care of back at home. So it's it's easier to be you know kind of be away from them and you know kind of get like you said get back on the horse and and play. You know, that's, and I've heard you, you tell the story, but I've also read some other stories about um, how 2020 went for you, Matt. It is interesting. I like I liked your perspective there that while, you know, some things that, that you wouldn't normally want to happen were, were what happened to you with injuries and things, it, it did allow for kind of a side benefit, which, you know, again, not it, it's, not, it's, been, it's been the case for a lot of people over the course of the last calendar year, right? You've maybe had a little time, more time with the, the wife and kids or whatever. But yeah. I, I like that that outlook. I like that positive spin you put on that. It's tough, man. You know, you, you do something. I've been playing baseball. When I was drafted in 2010, so this is what my 11th year. So wow. you, you know, you're so used to doing stuff, and you know, played obviously played football in, in college. So I was at Villanova. You know, all the summers it was like pretty much the first summer I had off. So <laughs> you know, no stress. Uh, you know, you stress every day playing baseball. It's a it's a lovely game, but you got to deal with the failures and ride the highs and the lows. Um, so it was it was very easy for me to kind of you know, like I said, be with my family, help raise my son, and be there for my parents whenever they needed. And again, that's outfielder Matt Caesar from Cardinals camp. Uh, again, a really interesting guy, and we'll see kind of how he fits. Whether he's going to be an alternate site guy or some outfield depth at Memphis, and and hopefully for his sake, he'll just get a chance to play after all of the challenges that he dealt with last year. Hey, the Cardinals Kid Club, presented by Rawlings, is the exclusive fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes access to virtual events and items including a fleece blanket and a wall sign, all for just $33. You can join at cardinals.com slash kidsclub. Stick around. We're going to wrap it up, give away another calendar next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, getting ready to wrap things up here, but before we do, I want to tell you about two things. Number one, 2021 season ticket plans are on sale right now. You can choose from full season, half season, or 27-game options. And for details, you can visit cardinals.com slash season today. And obviously with the, you know, the lower capacity here early on in the season, probably a good idea to move on that sooner or later if that's something that you're thinking about. Now, it's time to give away a calendar. You can you know, do this however you want. You can pick up your own or we can give you a shot at a free one here in a second. But the 2021 Cardinals calendar celebrates 12 epic moments in Cardinals history. It'll get you ready for the season. You've got the full regular season schedule in there as well. 
You can pick up yours at area grocers and retailers or by calling 314-345-9000. If you're really quick and you want to make a run at it now, here's your chance, though. We'll give away one for free, 314-531-1120. 314-531-1120. Our first caller will pick up their 2021 Cardinals calendar for free right here as we wrap up the show. Hey, many thanks to all of our guests today. Uh, great to hear from Larry Walker and Daniel Ponce de Leon. Many thanks to Jeff Levering from the Brewers broadcast crew joining us. And also thanks uh, to Tyler Heineman and Matt Caesar for spending some time with us from Jupiter to kind of give us the lay of the land. Got another show for you, one more countdown show for you next week. You know what that means. The regular season's creeping up on you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll get back to the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show next week. And this has been the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.